Hey listeners, welcome back to Whose Crime Is It Anyway? This week, your host is the wonderful Lisa Magistrelli, and she's got a pretty crazy case to tell you about this week. Take it away, girl. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you about one of Canada's youngest serial killers. Oh shit. Well, what makes this case so interesting is that most serial killers are in their early 30s, maybe in their 40s. They have to go through a bit of life experiences to be able to form their habits. Got it. And things need to happen for them to kind of almost have a trigger for them to start doing their killings. Okay. So for a serial killer to start at such a young age, at the age of 19, it's extremely rare. Okay. Let alone the fact that they're Canadian is... Yes. Crazy as well. And scary. Yeah. This is about... A popular, athletic, charming boy next door on the outside with a dark, cold-blooded truth that would shock them all. This is the case of Cody Lejibokov. up in the small town of Fort St. James in northern British Columbia, about 10 hours north of Vancouver. He came from a loving, respectable family and was well-liked amongst his peers. Cody excelled in sports. He played competitive minor hockey, was a member of his high school snowboarding team, and enjoyed the simple things in life such as hunting, fishing, and camping with friends and family. He was well-liked amongst his peers and showed no predisposition for violence. A little while after graduating high school, Cody moved to Prince George, which is about a two-hour drive east of Fort St. James. He shared a house with three close friends who were all female. Cody had the lower wait, half- Wait, 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 All female? All female. And him? Yep. Okay. Okay, so he was- Was he dating any of them? No, they were all just close friends that he grew up with in Fort St. James, so he's known them for a long time. Okay. Okay. He had the lower level of the house and all the girls were upstairs. So he had the whole bottom floor to himself. Okay. He worked in the parts department at a local Ford dealership and spent a lot of his free time on Nexopia, which is a Canadian social network that was created in 2003. And it's kind of like a MySpace. Personally, I've never heard of this before. What? I don't like, I don't know if that makes me feel really old you or really young. You have a Nexopia account? No. And apparently it's still a thing. How is it still a thing? I had one. I've it never was like heard of it. All the rage in high school. Okay, well, it's still a this rage. Early high school, though. This was before Facebook. Okay, well, that's what he did quite often, and his username was One Country Boy. Okay, so that's it's also I think quite sexually explicit. Okay, which I didn't know about when I because was because you could message back and forth with people, and it was a way yes. to meet yeah um, people and from. You wouldn't know who they were. Right, so. you've never met them. They couldn't, they might not even be in the same country and you're talking to people. Yeah. I think back on it, definitely creepy, but I didn't know it at the time. On the cold, dark night of November 27th, 2010, at around 9.30 p.m., Constable Aaron Keller, a Mountie from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, was driving down a remote highway in north-central British Columbia. Keller was in his early 20s and was fairly new to the RCMP. He'd been working in his current position for about a year at this point. 
He was driving south from Fort St. James towards Vanderhoof as snow was lightly falling from an overcast sky. In the distance, off the side of the highway, he noticed a pair of headlights bobbing up and down as if the vehicle was moving over really bumpy terrain at a really high speed. So as Keller got closer to the tree line, he could see that it was actually a black pickup truck driving along a logging road. Then all of a sudden, the black truck emerged from the tree line and came flying onto the highway in front of him. So fast that it crossed over onto the other side of the highway into the oncoming traffic lane, fishtailed, and then corrected itself in the right direction. So immediately, this sets off red flags for Constable Keller. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, pull him over. Right? So because it was in a remote area where people tended to be armed, Keller decided not to pull the truck over just yet. He called fellow Constable Sadu for backup and followed the truck for about 10 minutes until he saw Sadu approaching towards him on the other side of the highway. So once he saw him, Keller flicked his emergency lights on and Sadu pulled a U-turn and joined him as they both pulled the truck over. At this point, it was approximately 9.45 p.m. I feel like this was a smart bit. Right? The constables. Yeah. Part. Like, Considering that he's like fairly new and. And maybe like anticipating that this guy might have a gun or might be like a bit. Yeah, it was very smart. Reckless. Very smart. Yeah. So Keller gets out of his car and approaches the truck and notices that the driver already has his license and registration papers ready and dangling out the driver's window. This was really weird to him because usually when he pulls people over, they're so nervous that they don't even think to have that already, let alone having it sticking out the window. So he looks into the driver's window and addresses a young, blonde-haired boy with kind of a chubby baby face. It was 20-year-old Cody Lejibokov. Keller asks Cody where he's off to in such a hurry, and Cody politely says that he's just on his way to his grandfather's house. Bullshit. Lies! <laughs> Keller notices that he's wearing a sweater and shorts, and this was super odd to him because we're talking about the dead of winter here. Temperatures were as low as minus 20 to minus 30 degrees Celsius, so it's absolutely freezing. Why are you wearing shorts? Then Keller notices a red smear on Cody's chin, as if he had cut himself shaving. He also notices what could be tiny drops of blood on his thigh. Then he looks further into the truck and sees an open can of beer tucked behind the driver's seat. So this gives Keller his green light to ask Cody to get out of the car so he can search the vehicle. Yep, get out. Cody gets out without hesitation and Keller can see more droplets of blood on Cody's legs and shoe. And then a small pool of what appeared to be blood on the driver's mat where Cody's feet had been. More red flags. Keller then offered to have Cody wait in the back of the cop car while they searched his truck since it was so cold outside. But in reality, they were just trying to secure their own safety and keep Cody contained. So Cody says, sure, and Keller pats him down before getting him in the back seat. He finds a cell phone, looks it over, and hands it back. Then he checks another pocket and finds a metal Leatherman tool, which is basically a survival pocket knife that has several knife blades attached to it. Keller opened the tool and sees a distinctive red smear on the inner blades. What's this about? Keller asks. Cody says, oh, I used that on some grouse earlier. And he's all very casual about it. And then Keller's like, buddy, this is way too much blood to be from a grouse. So Cody goes, well, I had to use it on a deer before that. And Keller's like, 
You killed a deer with this thing? Cody says, not exactly. So Keller asks, do you have a hunting license? No. Of course he doesn't. Oh my god. So you were poaching. And Cody admits, yeah. Saying later that he's a redneck and that's just what they do for fun. So Keller asks Constable Sadu to dispatch the local conservation officer since they felt that they were dealing with an illegal poacher. Cody gets into the back seat of the cop car to wait while they searched his truck for more alcohol. Keller and Sadu do a full search of the truck and they find the following items. Two crack pipes in the center console. Oh my god. A four pack of Kahlua mudslides. Two are opened and partially consumed. A four-pack of white Russians, two of those also partially consumed and the other two missing. A bloody pipe wrench behind the center console. And a monkey backpack in the back seat with a wallet belonging to a Lauren Leslie. This guy sucks. Already. Yeah, he sucks. I know. Conservation officer Cameron Hill arrives at the scene to interview Cody and get more information about the deer he apparently killed. He asked Cody what his story was and what had happened. So we're going to play you a clip of Cody inside of the cop car, and he's talking to one of the officers, and this footage was obtained from the Prince George Citizen newspaper. Maybe just tell me, take it from the top, like tell me what's, uh, this whole thing, I don't know if I'm getting the, the story right or not, but just tell me what went on tonight, you know, in terms of your hunting activities. Me were hunting deer. Shot a couple girls too. Okay. So I need some more details on that though. Like, so who's who are you with? My buddy. What's his name? Thomas. Buddy. Thomas. Yeah. Is he from Prince George? He's from Fort, but uh, Fort Fraser or Fort James. James. But he lives in Prince now. Oh, okay. So what we just heard was Cody telling Officer Hill that he had met up with his friend Thomas after work that day at around 4 p.m. Cody got into Thomas's car and they drove around the area to go hunting. When it became dark, they spotted a deer in front of them, so Thomas got out of his car, shot the deer with a shotgun, and then he says that they loaded the deer into the back of Thomas's truck. Then they took Cody back to his truck and Thomas took off with the dead deer with him and said he would dump it somewhere. Now, Officer Hill has over 30 years of experience in law enforcement at this time, so this story is sounding super weird to him, so he continues to probe for more answers. Hill then asks, why was there blood on the pipe wrench? And Cody says that the deer was still alive, so they used it to beat the deer, each taking turns until the deer was dead saying that they were putting it out of its misery. That is so terrible. Isn't that sick? What? If you're trying to put it out of its misery, shoot it again. Shoot it again. Like, what? Don't hit it with a freaking pipe. That's just torture. Yeah. Completely inhumane. Also, why would they shoot the deer and just... Or dump it somewhere? Why move it? Why just drive away and dump it somewhere? That doesn't even make sense. Don't don't usually skin it and... You got it. Well, he said... or whatever. He said to Constable Hill, like, he doesn't really have an explanation. It does sound kind of suspicious, hey? Like, now that you say it out loud, it does sound really weird. And so he didn't have a proper explanation as to why he actually moved the deer. He just said that they moved it. 
It's all lies. It's a fucking... It's all lies. So many lies. Anyways, in my opinion, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to play you another couple of clips, and this is Cody, and he's still inside the cop car talking to Constable Hill, and Constable Hill is super skeptical of this guy, and he's trying to pin down what Cody's story is, and Cody keeps being very evasive, and it's just really obvious. Let's take a listen. Okay, so if we... If we run this blood, if we do a forensic match on it, we're going to find out it's it's deer blood, right? I guess so, yeah. You guess so? It obviously is. Okay. I told you what happened. All the blood. So the blood on on uh, on a knife, on a pipe wrench, all that will be deer blood. Okay. Okay, because I'm just trying to give you every opportunity. If there's something more to the story, to, to let's do it now before we spend a bunch of time and... Yeah, no, he, he said this. you just wanted to ask me a couple questions, and then I'd probably be on my way. Yeah. Like, well, the story seems odd, Cody, to be honest with you. Like, I, I you know, I just... Well, obviously it seems odd, right? I mean, I've never, uh, I've never s- really encountered anybody that would just go out and kill a deer, beat it with a wrench, throw in a truck, and then go and dump it. Like, why not just leave it there in the first place? Why would you... It was on the road. Why not drag it off the road? Why, I don't know. We, didn't, know. we just put it in the truck. Bunch of fucking lies. Oh, fucking brutal, hey? Either today or tomorrow, tonight or tomorrow, if we talk to Thomas, is he going to tell us the same story? Probably not. No. I'm just being honest with you. He's probably not going to say it. Yeah. He knows it's illegal. Yeah. Hill then asks, why is there also blood on the Leatherman tool? And Cody's response is just so weird. It's hardly an explanation, and he almost sounds just arrogant about it. So, you didn't, there's a little bit of blood on your Leatherman tool. What's that from? Cut it. Oh, you said a minute ago you didn't cut it? No, cut it. Oh, cut it. Yeah. Cut its throat? Yeah. Okay. Why did you do that? To kill it. Okay, so shooting it and beating it on the head didn't kill it, so you're cutting its throat now? We just, yeah, we just cut it. Okay. I'm not saying why we did it or what happened, but I'm just saying we cut it. Right. This makes absolutely no sense. Nothing. Nothing adds up. Nothing's like... Has he ever even killed a deer before? Apparently hunting is a huge thing up there, so he grew up hunting, so he knows a lot about it. So and he knows he, how to properly, yeah. It doesn't even make sense. He could try a little harder. Make it make <laughs> sense, buddy. Like, yeah. if you actually know. Make it a little bit more believable, bud. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Yeah. Not buying it. Not one freaking bit. So at this point, Cody is arrested for a violation of the Wildlife Act. Illegal poaching. Hill asks Cody, what were you doing up in the logging area anyways? Cody says his grandpa told him about a good hunting spot, so he was just checking it out. Oh, in the dark at 9.30 at night? According to the officer, all the logging roads are all the same up there, and the hunting is good anywhere. So this kid just sounds so dumb. So dumb. And also, don't bring your grandpa into it. Throwing everybody under the bus. What did did Gramps have to do about this? (laughs) So Hill then asks... So, I'm not going to find anything unusual up there, am I? And he goes, no. 
So Officer Hill leaves for about 20 minutes as he goes to retrace Cody's tire tracks up the logging road. There was about 8 to 10 inches of snow on the ground, with about an inch of fresh snow on top of Cody's tracks. He notices a few hundred meters ahead that the truck marks come to a stop, so he pulls over a few feet behind. He gets out of his truck and notices two sets of footprints, so he follows them towards a dense area of bush until he sees blood scattered all across the snow. Then he notices a track in the snow as if something had been dragged. He follows these markings into the pitch black forest, weaving through branches with his dimly lit flashlight and makes a horrific discovery. Back at the main highway, Keller radios Hill and asks, is it what we thought? And with the deepest sadness in his voice, Hill replies, worst case scenario. Officer Hill had found the bloody and deceased body of 15-year-old Lauren Leslie. She was partially buried near a gravel pit with her pants and underwear down to her ankles. Her blonde hair was matted in blood, had cuts on her neck, and was so badly beaten, her face was unidentifiable. Oh my god. So they assumed that it was going to be a body, because not of, a deer. Exactly, because of what they found in his truck. The backpack with the backpack. Lauren's identification, the drinks that had been had, the bloody wrench... All of that was His story. Yeah, like it just they were suspecting that they were gonna find a body. And so Hill went up there with that information and confirmed it with Keller that it was Lauren. It was now 1215 at night, and Cody, six foot two, two hundred and twenty-two pounds, was officially arrested for first degree murder. Sidhu reads him his rights, and as an adult, he's allowed to contact a lawyer. And get a load of this. What? Cody, the time now is 0015 hours on the 28th of uh, November 2010. Uh, I told you already that I'm, uh, I arrested you for murder of... I did not murder anybody. Listen to me, okay? Yeah. I'm arresting you for the murder of Lauren Dawn Toes. T-O-E-W-S. Uh, it is my duty to inform you, you have the right to retain and suck counsel in private without delay. You may call any lawyer you want. I want to call my dad. There is a 24-hour telephone service available which provides you a legal aid duty lawyer who can give you legal advice in private. This advice is given without a charge and the lawyer can explain the legal aid plan to you. If you wish to contact a legal aid lawyer, I can provide you with a telephone number. Do you understand? Yeah. There's more. I want to call my dad. Like, oh yeah. my god. Hold on. But daddy's gonna bail you out of this one? Yeah, I can't get you out of this one, bud. Oh my god. But can you hear how freaked out Constable Sudu's voice sounds? He sounds rattled. Can you imagine sitting in the car with someone who you pull over and find out that there's a dead body up there? Like this person just killed somebody and you caught them. Like, like I, fluke though, too. The, I know. The young guy, the young RCMP officer was just driving on the road and Trust saw him. His, yeah. Can you imagine if he wasn't there, though? It's, like It's pure luck that he came across him on the highway. Oh, my God. And, like, if I was that cop, I would be losing my shit. Oh which yeah. is, I mean, like, on him. I mean, it's like, I guess that's why I'm not a cop. <laughs> I would not be doing a very good well, job. Also, I mean, I don't know what the murder rate or what 
it's like in Prince George or Fort St. John's that area. It's Fort St. James. Fort St. James. Fort St. James. But I assume they don't come across catching it, a murderer right after they've killed someone very often. Right then and there, yeah. Right then and there. And, I mean, they had bad feelings about it, so. Trusting your gut. Yeah, trust your gut. Okay, this next clip is of Cody, and he's talking to Officer Sidhu. And he's in the car. It, the audio is a little bit loud, just as a warning, but you have to listen to what he's saying. When do I get to call my dad? Just hang on a second. Because I didn't do this. Seen it? Yes. I want okay. you to leave. Do you want to call a lawyer? I want to call my dad. You have the right to call a lawyer right now. How old are you? I want to call my dad. You're an adult? So you have a right to call a lawyer right now. Do you want to call a lawyer? I want to call my dad. Okay, that is your dad a lawyer? I want to call my dad. Okay. Because I didn't You have do a this. right for a lawyer? That's the, I'm asking you. Do you want to call a lawyer right now or not? I want... I don't know why I'm fucking in here. I told you, you're under arrest for murder. I did not murder anybody. Well... I am investigating a murder. Yeah. I have reasons to believe. But I did not murder anybody. Found. Found it. Okay. Well, I don't know nothing about that right now, so right well, now... Well, then don't I'm... assume that I did murder somebody. Well, I have reasonable grounds to believe. Well, I did not. Okay. So do you want to call a lawyer or not? Yeah. Okay. Do you have a lawyer? My dad would know. I want a cigarette out of my truck. I don't, uh, know. I don't know any lawyers. Also, you're not obliged to say anything. Anything you say may be given as evidence. Do you understand? Yeah. I want to talk to my dad. Sorry? Because I did not do this. Drive down a road and find this. Okay. It's fucked before up. Before you tell me anything, you said you want to speak to a lawyer. We'll get you a lawyer first before you start telling me anything, okay? Yeah. That's your right. You have a right to speak to a lawyer before you talk to me or tell me anything. Yeah. So, we'll work on getting you a lawyer as soon as we can. That is so disturbing. Okay. He's charging him. So he said, I seen it. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else caught that. And then he said, I found it, but I didn't yeah. do it. He refers to Lauren's body as it, it two times. Disgusting. Yeah. He is disgusting. I also want to clarify that when they arrest Cody, they have the identification of Lauren as Lauren Dawn Toes. And that was on her medical card, but the name that she does actually go by is Lauren Leslie. Lauren Leslie was 15 years old and a grade 10 student at her high school in Vanderhoof. She was about 5 foot 8 with a slender build, had brown eyes and lovely blonde hair. She was a compassionate and caring person who was always helping others. She was born with a genetic disorder which left her completely blind in one eye and had only 50% vision in the other. But you would have never known Lauren had any vision impairment at all. She coped with it so well and never let it interfere with her activities, such as boating, swimming, and even karate. Her parents separated when she was seven years old and she lived with her mom, but she had a close relationship with her dad and also had a room at his house too. Lauren seemed to be a happy, typical teenager, and she would also frequent the social network Nexopia. 
She made friends online, and one of them testified, saying that Lauren was one of their closest friends, even though they had never met in person. They said that Lauren had always been there for them, and that they were even in a time where they were going to end their own life, and Lauren talked them out of it. I owe my life to Lauren, they said. So this just goes to show the pure-hearted nature of Lauren, the sweet girl who died alone in a dark, cold forest. That's so sad. I know. She seems like such a sweetheart. On the day of her murder at around 8 p.m., Lauren told her mom that she was going out to meet a friend for coffee. Her mom told her to be careful and not to miss her curfew, which was at 1 a.m. That was the last time her mother would ever see or hear Lauren's voice again. Skip forward to Cody at the police station. The cops begin their interrogation, but Cody's not talking and continues to say that he was instructed by his lawyer not to say anything. So they give it a break until the next RCMP officer arrives. Officer Greg Yanaki had just driven up from Vancouver as part of the interview team. They sat for at least two hours making small talk as Greg tried to get Cody to let his guard down and start talking. I listened to this two-hour recording and it was painfully boring. It would be so hard to make small talk for that long with someone who's hardly giving you much back and to get a decent conversation going. They literally talked about where they were from and what it was like in the area. He tried to find things that they had in common. Try to like build common ground with him. Yeah. Relate to him. Re- find something that was relatable, yeah. Yeah. So Cody eventually told him that he had a girlfriend, Amy. He said that they'd been dating for about five months and that it was serious and they were planning to spend the rest of their lives together. Basically making it sound like he's a family man who just wants to live a happy life. He claimed that they had met at the Ford dealership when he was doing his apprenticeship. Amy was the receptionist there. She was also going to school at the same time as she studied psychology. (laughs) Officer Yannicki finally finds his opening to ask Cody to explain what happened that night. Cody begins by saying he went up the logging road to check out the area, and that's when he came across the body of Lauren Leslie. He said that she was lying face down in the snow, so he rolled her over. He said her face was bloody and, quote, disgusting, and that it scared him shitless, so he got the hell out of there, because he has a life and didn't need to be mixed up in something like this. But not before he took the time to pick up some of the items that were near the body. He says that he took a wrench, a knife, some booze, a cell phone, and an animal backpack. Who would take that shit from a crime scene? Like, why would you take the apparent murder weapons from a scene when you know you didn't do it? No, it's all bullshit. It's for sure. And also, weren't there only two sets of footprints? Yeah. So that doesn't even make sense. There should be three. There should be three. And there aren't. So... (laughs) Bye, buddy! Bye! Oh my god. Cody also says that he assumes the blood on his face and clothes, along with some scratches on his palms and knees, were from rolling her over and from branches scratching him. He also states that his DNA is probably on the body from rolling her over. Cody insisted that it was purely just bad timing. That was story number one. The next day, after Cody had some time to sleep it off, he changed his story in the next interview. Cody admits that he did know Lauren and that he had met her on Nixopia about two months prior. 
and that they used to text each other as friends. He also admits that he did meet Lauren on the night of the murder. He said earlier that day that he was hanging out watching TV with his girlfriend, Amy, and that he eventually fell asleep, so she went home. When he woke up, he went out and picked up Lauren for the first time, and they went for a drive. He claimed that they had sex in his truck, and then she apparently started going ape shit. And then she got out of the truck and started hitting herself in the face with a wrench that she had found on the floor of his truck, repeatedly until she collapsed on the ground. Oh, and she must have had a knife on her too, I guess. This is actually bullshit. I know. Who? This is so dumb and also so disrespectful to her because Mm -hmm. she obviously did not do that. No. Especially since you just said she talked her other friends out of killing themselves. Killing themselves. So she obviously wants to live and isn't going to take freaking wrench to her face. Oh my god. Okay, so this is another little bit of a loud audio clip, but it's important to hear how Cody changes his story. This is another one of his tall tales, and he's just trying to explain away what happened by blaming the victim. She gets out of the truck. She's rolling around on the ground. How is she hitting herself? Show, show me. Huh? There's a wrench. Okay. I had a wrench in my truck. Okay. And it was, I believe it was on my floor. Okay. And I don't know if she must have seen that or if she had, yeah. And I guess she had a knife on her or what was going on. Okay. And, yeah, and she was hitting herself and hitting herself and, and I was more, I was more stunned and in awe than anything, right? And, and at the end of it, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like, this girl's lying here. Well, now she's fucking pretty well dead. And I don't know what to do. Okay. And I picked up the shit. Fucked off. Okay. Literally left. Where was she when you said she's dead? She was kind of running around, and, and then I kind of pulled her off to the side of it. Tell me, tell me about that. I pulled her off to the side. How? I pulled her, pulled her off to the side. Okay. And then I, it was fucked. And then I got so fucking scared, I had to leave. Okay. So I didn't know what to do. Okay, it's fine. The fact is, I didn't do it. I was there, but I did not kill this woman. And I left. And I did. You did leave, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because I was I was scared. I didn't know what to do. That's fair. I'm sorry, like stunned and in awe. What nice choice of words, but. Oh, just like in awe of someone hit, like, it just doesn't even make sense. Also, I'm sorry, but this girl had severe visual impairment in the dark, finding a wrench in the in back the bottom, of his truck. In the bottom of in his the truck, bottom yeah. Of his truck, not gonna happen. No. Sorry, it's all bullshit. In awe. What a poor choice of words. This guy isn't smart. No, he's a dummy. He's a big dummy. 
So then someone enters the room that Cody's not expecting. It was Amy. Oh, Amy's a real person. She's real. Oh, she's real. I totally thought she was fake. (laughs) She's super real. How does she feel about all this? So I guess after she had left his apartment, um, she went home that night and he didn't show up to work the next day, obviously, because he was at the police station. Sure. And... She couldn't get a hold of him, so she drove past his house and saw the cop cars there. And then she ended up eventually approaching them, and then that's how they got in contact with her. Okay. So then they brought her in, so that maybe she could talk some sense into Cody. Great. So she sat down with Cody and began asking him what happened. He denied, denied, and denied that he hurt Lauren. He did, however, admit to meeting her online and that they had met up that night for the first time and they had sex after consuming alcohol. Then he said that's when Lauren went crazy, grabbed the wrench from the floor, and started hitting herself in the head with it. Amy asks, couldn't you stop her? Good yeah, question. That's, that's such a great question. I actually Good thought, fucking question. I actually thought of this earlier, and I didn't say. I was like, isn't this guy also... 200 pounds or something or five how he's 220 pounds six foot two he's a big guy so let's say hypothetically she's smacking herself in the face yeah i mean you're gonna hesitate because you're probably not you you would be in shock at first but for sure so this guy he can easily step in grab her arm hold her back hold or like bear hug her yes anything yeah literally yeah no sense at all i hate this guy right he said I was in shock. I panicked. I just hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. This was so shocking to Amy. She was clearly hurt by this information, and she had a moment where she even began to put blame on herself and even asked if it would have made any difference if she had just stayed at his house that night. How sad. So sad. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Cody later admits to doing cocaine before meeting up with Lauren, And this really pissed Amy off. What about the crack pipes? Right? So they eventually do tell her that, and he doesn't admit to it. He says that it's a friend's. But he does admit that he did cocaine. But he won't own up to the crack pipes. So she's super pissed. So apparently Cody had lied to Amy during their relationship, said that he had only smoked some weed and never did hard drugs. So basically Amy storms out... She's like, you've been lying to me this entire time. I can't stay with you. And she's out. She leaves. Bye. Poor Cody. Poor Cody. Oh. Boo-hoo. So sad for you. Two days later, the officers told Cody that his story has inconsistencies regarding Lauren's injuries. They said that due to the angle and force that was used, it was not possible for the injuries to be self-inflicted. The arm can't physically bend in such a way to cause the extent of the injuries. They also said that both the stab wounds to the neck and the blow to the head were both fatal. You can't just kill yourself with a knife and then kill yourself again with a blow to the head. No, you can't. So his story changes again. Of course it does. Now... He's full of lies. (laughs) Now he's saying that he did hit Lauren with the wrench, but maybe only two times max but that it was after the fact that she had already beaten herself so badly and he did it to put her out of her misery. This is how he described the deer. Right? Sound familiar? It's the same story. I know. 
He's sick. He's disgusting. Little did the RCMP know at the time, the murder of Lauren Leslie was about to open up a big, fat can of worms. A year after Cody's arrest, he is also charged with the murder of three other women. 35-year-old mother of six, Jill Stachenko, 35-year-old Cynthia Mass, and 23-year-old mother of two, Natasha Montgomery. What? Where did these go? What the heck? Like, before Lauren Leslie. Before Lauren Leslie. Well, we did say that he was Canada's youngest serial killer, so you knew there were going to be more bodies. But to hear that story, you're going to have to listen to part two of Whose Crime Is It Anyway on serial killer Cody Legibokoff. See you next week, listeners. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Whose Crime Podcast. saved this recording as Cody bullshit. Fuck. <laughs> because I can't this remember This whole his, thing is fucking I, brutal. Well, I can't remember his last name, and he's just full of bullshit. Yeah. So. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit. Oh, I'm out of snow. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. No, no drinks for me, thanks. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit.